Hi, welcome to the Empty Hand Podcast. This is your host, Seiji Saiki. So we're a little bit late on the train, but we decided to have some Zoom classes starting on January 25th at the Ottawa JKA. So if anybody's interested, feel free to reach out. It's These lockdowns are getting crazy, so we got to keep the training going. Oh, yeah, and I'm also going to be on Karate at Home. I'm going to be teaching a free class on January 24th. It's a little bit last minute, but if anybody's interested, it's going to be up on that Facebook page. So it should be fun. My guest today is Dr. Simon Faneuf. He's currently the CSO of Dimedso, a Canadian medical technology company, and is a medical doctor with extensive clinical and academic experience. We had an in-depth conversation about lifestyle medicine, and it was interesting to see some of the parallels with karate. So without further ado, here it is. So we're live. What is it like to work and have three teenagers at home? It's a challenge. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we have um, obviously video conferencing at work and you can hear a three-year-old screaming and, and it's just like hilarious to see. Yeah, and, and the dog cool. barking in the background. <laughs> 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 but I guess I guess it's good. We're getting accustomed to that and it's everything is kind of less formal. Definitely. Some people like they're so quick to press the mute button. They become mute button expert, almost like a police dispatch. Yeah, sometimes you have you have to though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh the adjustments and you know, even recently I uh because we're at the dojo, we're gonna start our Zoom classes. And I had to buy a webcam because I I'd like for the video quality to be relatively decent and they're extremely hard to come by. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming that like everybody's buying them up and using them for their classes or, or whatever. Yeah, actually I just bought a, uh, an arm mount for a computer to be able to mount a, an old uh, Mac computer we have in, uh, in the basement where we have our small uh, dojo. Uh, in, in order to accommodate for that. And it has a webcam and everything. So, I mean, we'll try it next Monday. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's, have you, so have you been working primarily from home during this period of time? Yeah. On, uh, well, currently I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still going to Gatsby to cover the emergency room uh, once a month and, uh, and also doing my sports medicine clinic. Mm-hmm. Although, although not that many patients at the, in, in the sports medicine clinic, uh, the rest of the time I'm working on, on, on our lifestyle medicine uh, project. So we're basically working from home and, and zooming and, uh, and Uber zooming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, I had a, I, I was talking to one of the instructors who's been zooming from March and he's been telling me like, you got to get on the train. Like, what have you been doing? You know, you're not, but it's, you don't expect these lockdowns to be extending so many times. Right. 
Yeah, like the kids uh, back in March uh, in the first lockdown, they said, oh, oh, it's a holiday. Oh, it's going to last a couple of weeks. It's fun. (laughs) And I was like, no, it's a pandemic. It's going to last like a year and a half at least. Mm. So hang on, guys. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, I was was proved right. Yeah, I mean, obviously at... At my work, it's quite noticeable um, some of the challenges the parents are going through, staying productive and and also homeschooling, especially if 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 the kids are are really young. Um, what are some of the the differences you notice, like for teenagers, like how how are they adapting to online learning? Well, I think it depends uh, what what is their personality. Um, for someone who's well organized, I think it's much better. Uh, someone who's already poorly organized, because you know, when you're working from home, you don't have a that fix of a schedule. And even you know, uh, there's an, there's a new trend I, I, I learned about what it, it's called fake commuting, where where people just fake commuting. They they just go out for a walk for half an hour and then they come back to work home. Oh. Just to like, yeah, just to like put a boundary between home and work, and uh, it's and it's called fake commuting, and it's a new trend. Um, Is that something and, you recommend people? Well, I think you know what it may not be a bad idea because I mean, mm. if you're if you're starting to work, still eating your breakfast, wearing pajamas, and then uh, and everything becomes blurry. And then you, you end up working at 8 o'clock at night. You're still working. And mm-hmm. and finally, at the end of the day, and you know, well, it's happened to me several times that, oh, what did I do today? Ah, finally, I blurred everything. I didn't take time to go jogging or whatever. And at the end of the day, I was not that productive, and I didn't really accomplish more. And um, so I, I, I think it's good to have a schedule and try to be organized. And um, and I think for the teenagers that are not so well organized already, uh, it's difficult. Also, those for, uh, you know, teenage years uh, are important socially. Mm. Uh, you try to hang out with your buddies more than your parents. It's normal. <laughs> yeah. Your parents are just idiots. and um yeah and i think it's it's tough for them because i mean they just can't and and also it increases screen time which is already a a societal problem right now yeah um because now they're saying oh my only social interaction is to game online with my with my friends Mm. but uh yeah they're uh, again they're sitting on their butt in front of the screen have they um have have you noticed like teenagers been sharing those frustrations or from their perspective this is not a a big deal of a situation it's hard to say right i mean yeah it's hard to say because they uh, well i i think they're well they voice their uh their concerns and uh, on the other hand i mean they're trying to compensate by i mean video games companies are just soaring 
well now they can they can make it a profession right so they they now yeah. they have a reasoning to it too right i mean when i was a kid it's just you were wasting your time in a way but now you can you can earn a lot of money from being a professional gamer yeah but it's a bit like uh, becoming a hockey player 100% yeah exactly as a kid everybody wanted to be a hockey player but um Yeah. yeah, you can you can earn good money, but you have to be pretty darn good. Yeah, you got to be like less than the 1%, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody mentions that part. Oh my god. But no, like you said, I mean, obviously if gaming is one of the only way you can socialize with your friends, you're how many hours do you end up spending on the screen? That must be yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, and statistics were already uh, pretty bad. Um So, and at home, we're, we're, we're very bad parents mm. uh, because they're allowed an hour and a half of gaming per week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Honestly, they cheat a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that's officially what it is. <laughs> the Great Wall. Yeah, but the thing, you know, is um, you, you, can't, you can't really spend eight, nine hours homeschooling in front of the screen and then spending the rest of the day still in front of the screen. Let's just mm -hmm. go do something else. Yeah. That's why, like, um, for us, um, well, first of all, we, we didn't know that the lockdowns would just keep getting extended and extended and extended. So we, we didn't have, like, a, an urgency to do online karate classes. But... Is that a, like, we're going to start them soon, as you know, right? But is, is that going to really help, you think, having that? I think so. Okay. I think so. Just uh, like the homework, uh, the little karate shukudai you gave them uh, oh, last yeah. week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to do push-ups, and then uh, they felt compelled to do it. And um, Nice. Edouard was a bit lazy, and so he decided uh, he had to do it all at once <laughs> in one day. Oh, did he? Did yeah. he do the the second week of of challenges as well on the on the one day? No, not the second week. Second week, uh, no, the first week. Okay, week, I'm not too sure how they uh, they manage that, but uh, he did the whole <laughs> first week in one day. <laughs> I think he's still too sore to start the second week. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> it's uh, it's incredible the. Um, you can't make any plans, right? Like you can't, it, it seems like you, so how do you establish a routine or, or what do you think is the first step? Well, I think it's important to have some uh, structure and I think at least having like, uh, we're going to try it, but at least uh, having like two karate classes per week mm. uh, by Zoom uh, is putting some uh, structure. I mean, we're trying to put structure and have a, a, a schedule um, and, and, and the toughest part is that um, well we have three kids and they, they're, the three schedules are different so we can't even take lunch at the same time because their lunch break is, is not synchronized, none of them so yeah it's Is it, be, is it because, uh, like, if you go to a different school that the... Yes. Okay, I see. Yeah. Wow. They're all, they're all in different schools, so schedules are different. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> How would you feel if they were, if they were like five, six and eight years old, for example, in that range? Uh, <laughs> I think the challenges would just be different though. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned, teenagers, they uh, lack social interactions. It's important for them. Mm. Um, you know, between five and 10, uh, if you're always you're with your parents, it's not that big, a, that big of a deal. Mm. Um, no, I think it's uh, the, the real, real challenge is uh, when you have, uh, like, uh, I talked to uh, someone in another project and I was asking, oh, could you, could you take this task and do this for me? And he said, well, you know what, Simon, I have uh, four kids under five and I'm working from home. Forget it. And I was like, okay, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real challenge. What was, what would you say were the biggest pillars for you to establish that structure? So like you were mentioning the two karate classes that are, those are that that's coming up, but like during this yeah. whole period of time, like what was that consistency for you? Well, we, uh, we made it, uh, one of our, we have rules at home. Uh, one of them is to exercise pretty much daily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and if we, uh, well, that's part it's, I mean, health is an everyday thing Mm. and we have to move every day. And if we look, if, if you look at the risk factors for, uh, being unhealthy, um, I mean, it's, it's important to exercise, but if you sit on your butt all day and you exercise, you still have one risk factor. Not having a sedentary work or being in front of a computer all day, mm-hmm. even if at lunch or at the end of the day you go and, and train, remains a risk factor for high blood pressure, heart disease. Mm. So it's important to move throughout the day and exercise. So at home, we, and, and, and right now it's hard because, I mean, we're all working. I, I worked on my computer all day and now we're recording this, this, uh, this podcast. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard. So we have rules at home. One of them is to exercise an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the days, I mean, if you skip one day, you take a day off in the week, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the days, uh, it should be a, an hour per day. And, um, and so that's a rule. Um, it's mandatory for them to go walk the dog, uh, you know, things like that. And we have a board and they have to check what they did. Mm. And, uh, it's a way to, uh, and, uh, and at night, uh, if they accomplished everything, we can uh, watch a few, uh, anime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) That's the kind of reward at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, um, do you use any fitness trackers, to like how important do you think is tracking your steps for example like that's a pretty popular thing at work like doing 10,000 steps I I think tracking activity is is good uh because sometimes if you don't track it then uh you know I say oh uh, I did uh, I went jogging like a couple of days ago and then uh but if you look what, what I do I don't personally use a tracker I just put my training sessions in my calendar so I can see it 
but I mean, there are more sophisticated ways to do it, I guess. Um, counting steps, uh, my wife does it. I don't. Um, but uh, I think it's important because otherwise you realize you, you're left under the impression, oh, um, and, and, and it's been, yeah, you're under the impression that you train, you, you, went, you went jogging like two days ago and you realize it's been 10 days and uh, if, you don't, if you don't track it. Um, and also it's interesting because like uh, in, in sports uh, or uh, physical activity, uh, people, it's like, it's like the, the survey they did uh, amongst drivers. Uh, and, and, and we all know that um, 80% of the drivers are above average drivers by that survey. <laughs> so uh, a physical fitness is, is a bit like this. And, and healthy eating is a bit like this. Like uh, 80% of my uh, patients um, if I ask them, are you physically active? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, what kind of sports uh, do you practice? Oh, um, I do. I mostly walk. Okay. How often? Oh, um, several times a week. Okay. When was the last time? Oh, I, you know, now it's winter. I, I, I walk mostly in, in the summer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so at the end of the day, they're physically active, but then you realize they the last time the exercise was like back in September and we're in January. Mm. Um, so it's a bit like, like the good drivers. Um, so we tend to overestimate. And, and it's funny because like this morning I was on a, I, I have a, a, a bicycling, a smart trainer uh, and I was bicycling on my smart trainer. And this thing is, uh, it's, it's not good for morale because um, <laughs> especially <laughs> Especially when I train this thing, it's a European device. Uh, it's a European device, and uh, I did it around eleven o'clock, uh, so I can see the other participants. In you know, you go. It's like uh, one of the stages of the Tour de France, and you go there. And I was like puffing, and and then this guy just passed me. Like I mean, <laughs> I just comforted myself by. By saying he must have an electric bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so it's, Incredible. you know, I consider, I consider myself relatively fit, but uh, it, it's when really you measure it or you compare that you say, oh, okay, maybe I'm just average. Yeah. But that's, I'm sure even that is like relative to a lot of people. It's above average too, right? Because probably not a large percentage of people are what you would consider active is that a wrong assumption you think or well and that's uh i was writing uh today about that it's uh it's really strange because uh in western world um or developed world because it's becoming uh we have this uh we have this other pandemic that's raging with uh um, diabetes obesity Mm. cardiovascular disease Dementia, you know, Alzheimer's disease and all the other dementias, mm. cancer, uh, and and there's no reason for that. Uh, and and you know what, the develop the developing countries, um, they don't have the same uh, the same diseases, and uh, it, it's a bit 
it's a bit weird that we have we have all the means we have uh i mean we can buy a treadmill to train we can we have all those all the medical technologies and uh and we're sick mm. it doesn't it doesn't make sense they did a study an interesting study they age matched uh dead patients in Chicago and in Kenya, in uh, Africa. Mm. And what they did is they did autopsies uh, and of uh, patients uh, the same age. And in Chicago, I don't, I don't remember the exact fig- uh, figures, but um, in uh, Chicago, they found that whatever, 60% uh, had severe cardiac, uh, cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And, and died from it actually whereas mm-hmm. in africa in kenya in rural kenya out of a thousand only one had a myocardial infarction and it wasn't the cause of death mm-hmm. and these were age matched uh autopsies mm-hmm. um so i mean we in uh, in North America, we have, uh, and, and it's about the same thing in in Europe. And unfortunately, this uh, this pandemic of uh, of unhealthy uh, habits and 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 what we call Western diseases, we're spreading this uh, around the world. Mm. And uh, and and but there's no good reason for that. Well, clearly something like a pandemic could make those even more prominent, right? Because if you're encouraged to take out, never leave your home, probably your nutrition and, or what you're eating is a, is a huge factor for why you would be getting some of these diseases, right? Or Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting uh, you mentioned that because there are several, and if we go back to lifestyle medicine, uh, there are some... Uh, several pillars of, of good health. Mm. Uh, one of the main one is nutrition. And uh, we're talking about having a mostly, well, first is uh, eat mostly, uh, there's a saying, eat, eat mostly uh, plants mm. and not too much. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's, it's it's what we, it's what we call a whole food plant based diet, mm. and there's a controversy, uh, controversy whether you should have a bit of animal protein in it, like uh, from between zero to five percent of total calories in the form of uh, animal products. Mm. But that's about it. And it's interesting because I was, uh, and, you, and if you look at uh, um, in other countries, I was in uh, Vietnam. Just right after they they op- they really opened for um, uh, to tourism, <laughs> and I was traveling in in Vietnam, and uh, e- every day I was going to a new restaurant, and it, I mean, the meal would cost like one dollar, oh. and and it was actually delicious, very good, and I had a plate full of vegetables, and they were always different, so I ended up I ended up eating <laughs> green vegetables different green vegetables and I never knew what it was <laughs> but but the bulk of, of of the diet there was just green vegetables mm. but just a tiny bit of meat probably for flavor you know uh, but not that much 
And, uh, and uh, if we look at, uh, there was a very interesting uh, study, it's called the China study they, uh, uh, that they did in, uh, uh, in collaboration with the NIH in the States. And uh, it's Dr. Campbell who did that for the U.S. with, uh, with the Chinese. And they, uh, they, compared the, uh, the, they compared the diet uh, in rural China with the American diet. And uh, and they realized, yeah, no, it's they realized uh, the incidence of uh, several cancers were about six to eight times less in rural China. Wow. Uh, coronary heart disease was almost non-existent. Mm. Uh, but now that uh, China is uh, adopting uh, Western diets, mainly in, in the big cities, like if you go mm. to Shanghai, you can eat. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and then now they have this. Uh, they're uh, they have this problem with uh, with they're starting to have a big problem with obesity, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, and uh, and and cancers like uh, like we have here. Do you find that um, in rural Ontario or rural Quebec that my perception is is that it's very healthy, right? Like you eat really good food, but I, I don't know if it's like that in the States though. I, 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 I don't think it's healthy in, uh, um, you know, it's interesting because in uh, rural areas, uh, people don't walk as much. Oh yeah. You do everything oh. by car because that you know, when the grocery store is uh, <laughs> 10 miles away, you don't, you don't walk up there, um, especially with uh, three uh, teenagers. There's no way you could bring the gro groceries back. <laughs> and uh, whereas in, yeah, and uh, yeah, people living in, in towns uh, walk much more. Um, and uh, and act, they're actually healthier. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I, I never fact. It's counterintuitive, but that's, that's, that's a fact. I, um, if I had a, a Fitbit or, or anything during my time in Japan, I, I would have easily had my 10,000 steps a day just in the commute. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, even though it's, it was living in a major city, like for you to go from point A to point B there, you have to walk or you have to move around for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, owning a car in, Tokyo is is not a good thing. I mean, it's just you don't own a car. It's you don't you don't have space to put it, and it's it's much better to to go by the subway and and public transit or it's, a cab. It it seems like it those. It's just like a it it obviously wasn't planned, right? Oh, we're gonna make people walk so it'll keep them healthy. It was. Yeah. It was just so happens that it's been like that, right? <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, we have to go, uh, you know, in terms of nutrition, on uh, coming back to nutrition, what you normally, um, what you're normally fed as a kid is in your head what is, what is good. And habits are hard to change, you know? Uh, and for many people, they, 
it's kind of automatic what they eat because they, it's always been like that. And I think in 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 bigger towns we have more we're more used to uh, more diversity in terms of food. How, what, how do you get your? How would you get kids to to get an affinity to vegetables? Because that seems to be a stereotypical problem, right? Especially if you're giving them a slab of bacon, they they can't really go back after that, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's well, that's one thing. Yeah, for um, for sure, fat, sugar, and salt are tasty. Okay, um, but after a while, uh, your taste will somewhat change uh mm. so you get you have to get used to it and um i mean for the kids also the thing is when you start to to eat uh whole food plant-based diet uh you have you have to learn how to cook with that how to make it palatable because mm. um and and it's it's interesting because we we switched to basically a whole food plant-based diet about five years ago a little over five years ago Mm. And uh, because I, I mean, I was reading more and more about health benefits and the problem associated with uh, e- eating uh, animal uh, products, and I was like, "We're eating my, way too much meat, and I want to cut down." And um, and also, I was getting bored of you know always having the same recipes, and um, mm. I, I was due for a change. And um, so I, I told my wife, um, hey, why don't we try uh, to be vegetarian for a month? Uh, just just to change and discover new recipes. But she wanted to get rid of dairy. So she said, no, uh, let's go vegan. Whole food, plant-based. Oh, vegan. yeah. <laughs> no half measures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we won't die. Let's try it. <laughs> and... Um, um, and then we uh, we 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 made the we switched cold turkey like that and um, and the first recipes weren't successes. Uh, <laughs> mm. We had the kids um, the, the kids wanted to call uh, youth protection and um, <laughs> yeah we had complaints. <laughs> but um, but then we uh, we we bought some uh, some books and uh, we started cooking and. Uh, and the main benefit was uh, after a month, I was feeling so much more energetic and better that, uh, and it took only only a month, uh, that after a month, I told my wife, I said, hey, I don't want to go back. No way. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting because uh, if you eat a whole food plant-based diet, uh, you burn about 20% more energy per day. Mm. Your internal furnace burns more calories. Interesting. So uh, it means you're more energetic. And it also means that it's easier uh, to keep a healthy weight, to avoid gaining weight and uh, becoming unhealthy. Because, you know, like I'm 55 uh, when I look at my patients my age, 80%, 90% are overweight. And wow. being being in, in in being 50 or 60 and being overweight uh has become the norm. 
It's wow. like normal. Oh, it's it's normal. He's fifty five or it's he's sixty mm-hmm. and he's overweight. It's just, but it's not. It's not normal to be overweight at any age. Mm. And if we look again, if we go back, the same thing for high blood pressure, which is a a, a very strong risk factor for stroke and and cardiac disease. It causes both stroke and cardiac disease. Uh, if we look at high blood pressure uh, in 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 Western societies, a blood pressure amongst people tend to creep up gradually over life mm. and increase, increase, increases, increases. But if you look at the same the same data in in uh, in developed nations, in rural developed nations, it increases a little bit gradually up to about 60, 65. And then it starts to slowly decrease a little bit. Mm. They don't have that. And then, you know, it's mechanical because high blood pressure, it's the heart pumping blood in pipes. And when the pipes becomes blocked with butter, because mm. that's what it is, they, the, the heart has to increase pressure to mm. for the blood to continue to flow. I mean, I'm simplifying, but that's that's that's. I a understand, bit yeah. And um, and also the um, another thing that's interesting, and you've probably noticed that when you train hard, you know, uh, at the beginning, I mean, you're rested, you go, you go in, you train. After a little while, it becomes harder if you train hard, and then when you pass that. It becomes easier, mm. you know. You can you, you you can feel you have more energy, and then you can go on. and And we see that if you're jogging, we can we can see it in karate also. Mm. During a training session, it's because one of the things we have uh, within our blood vessels uh, is is uh, nitric oxide, and they're even selling mm. supplements to increase nitric oxide. Interesting. It's, it's a potent uh, vena, uh, uh, dilator for the blood vessels, the uh, arteries and the veins. And uh, so what it does, it opens up uh, the arteries and lowers the blood pressure so that your heart uh, can pump the blood uh, more easily uh, throughout your body. And I noticed that's while uh, uh, jogging. Um, I would jog, let's say, at Five at a pace of a maybe five minute per kilometer, and and during my ride at kilometer maybe uh, five, I would find it very hard, and then I would continue jogging, and then at kilometer after like fourteen kilometers, I would still have the same pace, but my heart rate instead of being one sixty five or one seventy, would be down to one forty five. Ah. And I wouldn't feel as tired, but I, I'm I'm going the same speed. Um, yeah, it, it's just that after after a while, uh, this this nitric oxide will is opening my blood vessels, and then is facilitating the flow of my blood, and my heart and my whole body is doesn't have to work as hard. But what, what causes that to switch? Like, oh, it's just a natural phenomenon. But the thing is, if you go and eat junk food, mm-hmm. you totally blunt your capacity to produce nitric oxide within half an hour. 
Is that right? Yeah. If you go to a, I won't name a brand. <laughs> yeah. If you go, if you if you go for a double hamburger and <laughs> a supersized fries, um, within half an hour, uh, you're you're increasing your your risk of a heart attack. Is that so? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's. Uh... I'm a bit fascinated about that nit- nitric oxide idea, though. So, like, what what type of foods would you have to consume to optimize that to uh, greens. happen? Greens, spinach, mm. kale. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, they contain. They, uh, yeah, they contain nitrogen, and they, they help the body to uh, to produce uh, nitric oxide. So you don't have to go to GNC to get it to get it in pills. <laughs> so you can just just is do you do you have to go to a particular type of grocery store to have? Does it does it matter if it's organic or? Well, it, yeah. Unfortunately, kale and spinach. Uh, it's it's hard to find. I, I think are potentially the most contaminated amongst the most con- contaminated. So uh, it's much better to try to get them organic. I see. Although it's difficult, and uh, like in order to get the good greens, I go uh, I go to a uh, a Chinese grocery store, and they have all those green vegetables <laughs> I can eat, eat in Vietnam. Interesting. Um, but uh, unfortunately, they're not labeled as organic. I doubt they'd be organic. Uh, but but on the other hand, uh, between eating. Um, animal fat and animal protein. Um, I mean, ideally, uh, uh, the, the greens would be organic, but, uh, but even if they're not, it's still much better to eat that than eating uh, uh, animal product, proteins and fat. Because what people don't realize in uh, the animal fat, and uh, everybody is afraid that diabetes is caused by sugar. And yes, sugar has a role to play uh, but it's 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 mostly the um, accumulation of uh, animal fat and bad fat in the muscles and the liver that causes insulin resistance and eventually leads to diabetes. Interesting. Obviously, one of the things that's uh, when I said that uh, sugar has a role to play is that uh, high high um, high fructose corn syrup the sugar we find in, in, in pops and soda in um, the body, our body has a hard time to deal with too much, a too high concentration of fructose. And when you, when you ingest too much fructose at once, uh, what your body will do is turn this into fat because it doesn't do, it doesn't know what to do with that. And then the fat will go and be stored in uh, well, around the belly obviously and but also but also in in the liver and and it's a cause it's 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 the significant cause of uh, of liver uh, cirrhosis of a uh, liver oh. failure wow uh, uh, a fatty liver disease is a serious health issue and also in the muscles and uh, and and it's interesting because also if you train muscularly not only cardio uh by draining the muscles from this fat and also in, in, in our liver. And when you train uh, the first 
the first fuel the body will use is sugar. Mm -hmm. and, and because it's easy. So mm. uh, the body will use the sugar and the sugar, where, where is that sugar? It, first, it's in the blood, but the amount of sugar in the blood is very limited. So when you start taking the, the using the sugar that's in the blood, the liver will start, uh, where, will take the, 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 the sugar store, what's called glycogen in, in the liver, and will release sugar in the bloodstream to compensate. Uh, and also we have other uh, uh, sugar uh, reserves in, uh, in the muscles themselves. They have their own reserve. Mm. If you deplete this, uh, these reserves, what is interesting is that uh, when you eat after training, the sugar will go, instead of going in, in the form of, uh, of fat, the sugar you're going to take is to replenish those reserves. Mm. And also, if you eat something, if you take sugar and uh, instead of spiking, increasing your blood sugar, the, the, the sugar will go in, in, in the, the sugar reserves in the liver and the muscles. Preventing mm. hyperglycemia. But if you take too much sugar and your reserves your sugar reserves in the liver and, uh, and the muscles are full and your liver and the muscles are full of fat and cannot take any more sugar, what the liver and the muscle will say, hey, I can't take any more sugar. What happens is your blood sugar will go high. The pancreas will secrete insulin mm. to lower blood sugar but it won't work and it's called insulin resistance and your pancreas will over time try to produce more and more insulin and eventually the beta cells within the pancreas producing the insulin will get exhausted and die mm. and that's called type 2 diabetes. Mm. So interesting. Coming back to that, it's, that's the reason why it's important to train to deplete those stores for them to be replenished when we eat. And also, if, if when you train, it becomes much more easier to, to control your weight because the amount of work uh, you can do. I mean, somebody who's not fit uh, will maybe burn 300 calories in an hour of training on average i can easily burn over a thousand calories in an hour mm. but uh i mean someone who's like an, an athlete doing the bicycling tour de france i can probably burn like two thousand or more in an hour wow yeah that's crazy that's amazing i mean it's it's that's why they eat six mm eight times per day and uh, they also go to the bathroom about the same amount. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you differentiate like pseudoscience to something that's more substantial? Because I mean, there are, there are people who are convinced that a carnivore diet or obviously keto is a, is a really big one, which is heavy in, in animal fats and they are, pretty strong in their stance so like how do you know like 
is there like merit in diverging methods? Is there a genetic component? I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, to very good, it's a very good question. Um, well, just to settle the genetic part. Uh, yes, there are differences. Uh, they're pretty small. Mm. Um, okay. Obviously when you come to like, like physical performance, sports performance, um, the, the what what we call the VO2 max, the amount, mm. the maximum amount of uh, oxygen you can burn is is pretty much genetically uh, determined. But but having said that, most people are are so uh, are not. It's when you reach your full potential. Mm. So like let's say you're 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 an athlete. Uh, you may reach your your potential at a certain level, and I mean your training partner will be at a higher level, and there's not much you can do for that. Uh, but most people are at whatever fifty, sixty percent of their own max, so it's still worth training and increasing your uh, VO2 max. Uh, but in terms of uh, Risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure. Yes, there's a genetic component, but it's 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 pretty most it's less than ten percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and differentiating pseudoscience from from the real science is is difficult, and uh, and it's fueled by by the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge, you know, uh, the um, the World Health Organization. They decided to um, to label to put uh, processed meat in the category of the the carcinogen, cancer causing mm. products. They wanted to include red meat, but the lobby of the industry was too strong, so mm. they didn't do it. And um, and there are many uh, many false beliefs uh, that are fueled by the industry. Like uh, if you eat junk food, it doesn't matter. You just have to train more uh, uh, to keep a healthy weight. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way at all. Um, uh, that's that's not true. If you want to have, um, or or if you're overweight, it's because you can control yourself. You just have to diet. But it's been demonstrated diet dieting doesn't work. Um, and things like that. Going to your uh, your question, also like there are, there are some merit to some ideas. Like the paleo diet is the idea is interesting. The problem is what is advertised as the paleo diet has nothing to do with the real paleo diet. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, way to put it. <laughs> Uh, when when we look at uh, at uh, tribes around the world uh, still living a bit like uh, we used to all live in in uh, in the paleo uh, era, um, their consumption of meat is is very limited. You know, um, so it, it's not like uh, uh, meat is 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 hard to catch. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like no peas are not, <laughs> <laughs> or lentils are not hard to catch. So yeah. um, I'm I'm not saying that uh, it, it should be a hundred percent 
um, vegan. And I don't like the term vegan again, because uh, also uh, it's been demonstrated that uh, over 90% of vegan don't eat healthy. Oh. You know, you know uh, uh, a bag a bag of chips is is vegan, but it's not healthy at all. Uh, loophole. <laughs> yeah, and there's um, so that's why I'm talking more about uh, what I see. Uh, whole food, plant based diet. So it's it's food that is uh, not transformed and uh, from plant origin. So it means uh, uh, vegetables, fruits, legumes, mm. uh, whole grains, and nuts, basically. Wow. So fish is out, out of the table. Eggs are out of the table, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Eggs, eggs, and, eggs and poultry are especially bad. Is that right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, because their uh, amino acid compound is... Uh, uh, these products uh, are transformed in the gut by the bacteria, and they produce what we call TMAO, uh, which oh. is a strong pro-inflammatory compound that is associated with cardiovascular disease and uh, yeah, and um, and oh. cerebrovascular disease. Is that right? So yeah, that's that's not great. Having said that. Um, eating a bit of eggs above 65, uh, maybe to get more protein, might be associated with uh, some health benefits. Um, it's been, demo- it's, I, I mean, some studies uh, done in what we call the blue zones, you know, like a few, some villages in Italy, uh, in Okinawa, where people live forever. <laughs> Um, mm. and, uh, and they tended to have, uh, basically, a, a, a mostly whole food plant-based diet throughout their life with a bit of, with a bit more animal protein over 65. Okay. So you can kind of like throw it in there a little bit then. A little bit, probably. Mm. Yeah. So you can kind of start like a new marketing campaign, the Okinawa diet. <laughs> and <laughs> put some yeah. karate branding on there and there you go. <laughs> Yeah, well, coming back to karate, it's it's interesting because um, um, I, I was looking the diet in uh, in uh, the diet in Okinawa uh, incorporate lots of vegetables. Uh, there's some meat though, um, and it's also interesting because I, uh, I I've never been there. I I, I want to go uh, to Okinawa. Yes, but um, the. Um, I was I uh, was looking at uh, documentaries and I was seeing all the old people there, and they were doing their uh, like morning exercise, and it looked like I would call it karate tai chi. Mm. They were like karate moves, but s- a little more slowly. Uh, so it wasn't like Chinese Tai Chi, but it, uh, I called it Karate Tai Chi. And I don't know if they all do that or if it was just in this documentary. Mm. Uh, but it'd be interesting to uh, interesting to know. And that's, oh. I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, that just brings up like a whole topic of conversation because I, I just read uh, uh, Funakoshi's uh, biography and it really looked like karate was something that was done as a family. 
So the grandparents and the kids yeah. and the, like, it was not like the image of sport karate you see today or hardcore full contact thing. It was like a holistic activity you do with the family. If you, if it's interesting when you read his d- sort of approach to it, but that's, that's a controversial thing because what people consider to be true karate, it, it varies person to person. Yeah, I'm not sure if such a thing, a true karate, uh, really exists. I, I, I think there are different karates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't want to be judgmental about, about this. Um, Me neither, yeah. Because, yeah, because um, I, 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 the karate I did was, like, most of my life was traditional karate. Uh, but uh, recent, more recently, when I moved to Gaspé, I ended up, I mean, the traditional, um, I happen not to, uh, th- there is a traditional karate club there, but I, I didn't feel for some reason, I didn't feel comfortable going there. Mm. And I ended up in, uh, in a, uh, a competitive sports karate dojo. Mm. And... Uh, I continued to do my traditional karate at home uh, on top of mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and it had some merits. Like I improved some skills, like, uh, like being able to be more nimble in my displacement, like moving uh, a bit better uh, if I wanted to. And, and I can see why some people are attracted to that. But to me, sports karate is shallower. Mm. It's just one part of karate. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting, especially if you're younger, you want to compare with others. Mm. Uh, but if you look, uh, and I was looking at some uh, some techniques, and I was like, yeah, there's no real efficiency behind that. Uh, I mean, yeah, you touched you touched the target, but mm-hmm. there's nothing behind uh, be, behind this strike so it's it's worthless mm-hmm. uh, so to me it, it's different and i think uh depending uh of your age and your goals uh it, it's different and um and then to me karate is my my karate is is different uh and that's what i like about traditional karate because um i i remember in in tough periods of my life um, where I had too many things going on and whatever, divorce, things like that. Um, Those were the periods where most of the time I didn't feel like going to the dojo to train because I had too many things happening. But then Mm. I would go and entering the dojo, uh, it's like all the problems, they stay out. Mm And we go there and also like just the short meditation we do at the beginning, at the end is like to cut between, okay, I'm here in the dojo. I'm a hundred percent here and there's nothing else that's going to interfere. My cell phone is not here. Mm -hmm. I'm fully here. And then it comes to another pillar of lifestyle medicine, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is stress control through uh, meditation. 
mm. not only meditation, but through meditation. And, and to me, karate is also a, and, in, and when you practice meditation, like if you do uh, mindfulness style meditation, you have walking meditation. Mm-hmm. It also exists in Zen meditation. Mm. And to me, like practicing a kata, especially like this, a slower kata, um, is like a meditation because you have to concentrate on your movements and you cannot, you have to be a hundred percent in this moment. You cannot be, you can't do that and be thinking about your schedule or I mean, mm. <laughs> when you do that, you just realize that you start one kata and you finish with another. It doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, um, and this is really, I think it's, it's really beneficial uh, to, be, uh, to be, we're always uh, interrupted by the cell phone. Uh, we're always preoccupied about things Mm. the future the past uh but it's it's very important you know we all live this life and the only moment that's ever important is the the present time the present Mm. moment uh tomorrow may not be there and yesterday is gone already Mm. um and it's important to to be there uh as much as possible uh be a hundred percent in every moment Absolutely. That's probably one of the hardest things to do because it's so easy to yeah. to not live in the present. And when you do Cesar Mokso, it is that ritual does kind of get you in the zone and, and you you funny enough you do kind of forget everything. Um don't it's, uh, exactly even if it's very short, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so um I, and and to me that's uh some people look at this and find it silly. To me it's very important. Mm. in uh in 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 karate it it's it's a tough one to i'm i have a bit of a hard time organizing my thoughts to when i think about this because obviously when you're young you do want to compare yourself to others there is that kind of human nature element where you want to see you know what your abilities are like and i do think it's important to have some type of merit-based platform for to to promote excellence or to promote someone who would be willing to reach new heights or take take this this art to another level but then that's not the biggest value proposition and i think it is a huge uh there's a huge correlation with lifestyle medicine i think that's the biggest value that's what it brings to people because you, you, even in Japan, um, I really love those. Um, they call it like a master's tournament in JKA. So you have age groups up to 80 years old and they're still competing. So it's one of those really rare systems that you could train your whole life. There isn't like, Oh, I only have my boxing years for like yeah. five to 10 years or what? Well, maybe more than that, obviously, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's 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 interesting. And also, when you look, if you're, I think it has to go with uh, external versus internal motivation, mm. or um, why you're doing it. Um, and uh, and and in lifestyle medicine, it's about the same thing. 
if you have an external motivation, you're training to uh, to be in uh, in uh, football league, uh, yeah. in, uh, or the 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 National Hockey League. Um, if you don't make the cut, uh, and and there was there were medical studies about that uh, in uh, in college uh, college football players who didn't make the cut for the National League, mm. and and uh, they tend to stop training completely. Mm-hmm. And when you looked at them like 15, 20 years later, they were less healthy than their, uh, their than comparative who never trained at all. Uh-huh. And I think because that's because it's an external motivation. Whereas if I look, for instance, lifestyle medicine or, or my journey in lifestyle medicine, as in karate, um, it was more to try to improve myself. And I stumbled along the way. I mean, I've, I've had periods in my life where I, I didn't train at all or very little. But then I, I, I came back and, uh, and I, I tried to improve. And I'm competing against myself to try to, to get better and, and mm-hmm. improve myself every day. And, and it's fun. And that's my motivation. My motivation is not for a medal or anything. It's just to get better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I, I'll, I mean, I'll never be, I'll never be the best anyway. I try to be the best for me that I can. Mm. And, and it's the same thing. A healthy lifestyle is the same thing. I try to do my best to improve my lifestyle continuously and if if for whatever reason um i had a party and i took too much alcohol with friends uh oh, that's fine i'll try not to do it again or not not do it too often because that's not really healthy but mm-hmm. uh that's the way it is so if you have an external motivation and that's i think that's the problem if you're only doing karate as a sport like to go to the olympics and win a medal or um, then after you're no longer able to be the best compared to others, what's left? Not mm-hmm. much. Whereas if you're doing it for yourself and, and it becomes internalized and it's, you know, I don't care. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm happy if you're better than me. Good. I just mm-hmm. try to improve myself. Yeah. Do you, do you know, uh, do you know Tanaka sensei by any chance? No. Yeah, he's um who? Uh Tanaka Tanaka Sensei in the JKA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I, I <laughs> Yeah, no, he's um we, I know uh, just just an anecdote. Uh we were in a karate summer camp. And <laughs> uh we uh we decided to throw him in throw him in the swimming pool. And uh, we were maybe 50. I was probably 17, 18. I was a uh, first queue. And we were like 50 brown and black belts. And we, at, we, we attacked him to throw him in the swimming pool. Oh. <laughs> we, 
<laughs> he threw us in the swimming pool. He, he threw us all at least twice in the swimming pool. We eventually succeeded because he was careful not to hurt, not to hurt us. Yeah. <laughs> and because we, we'd swim out of the swimming pool and we kept coming back, and eventually, <laughs> eventually uh, we managed. But yeah. Sorry, it's just that you remind me of an. That is, a, where was that? Ah, uh, <laughs> somewhere in Quebec. I, oh my god, I don't remember where. Yeah, he's a scary, oh, especially when he was younger. He's uh, well, he's still a scary guy. Well, it, it, he was he was really scary. Uh, yeah, especially that, that when was young. that was probably yeah that was like thirty five years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, no, he, he was, was uh, he was he was at at, at its peak. <laughs> That's yeah, when when you can when he's always, you know, his eyes are are piercing on yeah. a 24/7. Yeah, he's um obviously been he's incredible his understanding of of generating power, generating force. And uh we were hanging out one one time and and he would just like a one inch it wasn't even a punch it was maybe like a one inch weight i felt like his whole body was into that like a hammer just like a like a tree that falls onto the ground like you can just like it's a a thud yeah and it, it barely like he didn't wind up or anything it was just like a little boom and it it was so heavy and and i've i've fought and i've sparred with people so i i i have a pretty decent gauge of like what's effective or not or what hurt or not and he's hit the makiwara so many times that he just knows how to transfer his weight to his fist in a, a very efficient manner and this was when he was in his 70s that he did that so as you were saying i mean even if you're you don't have to be 20 years old to generate like lots of force like that Yeah, and I think that's the difference also coming back between uh, karate as a sport and as a way of life and, and lifelong training. I think that's the difference. Um, I mean, if you're doing karate as a sport, uh, okay, well, you get this uh, three points, uh, Jodan uh, Mawashigiri, that's fine. But um, in a real combat, ah, you wouldn't do that. Uh, it's too dangerous. I mean, if you miss, uh, it may, you could do it, but it, 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 it wouldn't be a favored technique. Um, and, um, and I think developing this Kime and, and transfer of power is, is, and, and, and the Makiwara training is something that I also discovered like in the last 15 years that, I hadn't done before. And, uh, and I think that's what improved my kimi. Yes. Yes. Because it's, it's really interesting. The, a lot of people think they can see the power of a punch by the snappiness, by the, but it's, you can't really judge someone's power by, by what you see. Cause it's, There's the the hip rotation, the sharpness generates speed, but at the mass and your weight transfer is another element of the of the punch as yeah. well, right? And that is very dull. It's not exciting to watch. It, it it's like a rock falling onto the ground. It it 
it, it it'll just do like a small thud. But if you had well, like the, a yeah, sorry, the speed yeah to generate power the speed is very important because, yeah. uh, but then at the moment where you hit, you have to increase the mass. I mean, energy mm. is the mass uh, times the speed uh, square of the speed. Mm-hmm. It's mass speed square. So speed is very important, but in order to increase the mass, mm-hmm. the weight, I mean, I can't, you can't, you can't really increase the weight of, of the fist itself, mm-hmm. but when you are able to connect it to the rest of your body, then you really increase uh, the energy you're transferring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, it becomes powerful. And then if you can do it for a split second as short as possible, that's even better because then you, you're fast and you mm-hmm. don't burn a lot, a lot of energy, but still you can transfer a lot of energy but, and you don't burn, burn yourself out. Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but there are a lot of instructors, though, that believe they can see the kime, Right for example, like a lot of kata champions, they, people would say, oh, he's got amazing kime. But in, in the headquarters, one of the graduating exams is just for you to break three one-inch pieces of wood. And, and not everybody passes that on the first try because it's really hard to break. So, I mean, someone like Tanaka-sensei is a perfect example. When you see him punch visually, it doesn't have the same like snappiness or sharpness as like some of the world kata champions you would see, but there's a lot of mass behind that. And it's a very heavy punch. So that's something I, I wish people were more aware of that. It's, you know, Oh, you, there's no key man that punch. Well, you don't know that really. Cause you don't know if the, like you can't really see it. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I had I had someone tell me one time. Although, yeah, that. Although yeah, I'm not ahead. sure. I'm not sure because you you know you you were you were talking about the uh, the karate champions and uh, I I was watching some some of them some of their kata champions and the snappiness is incredible. Of course, oh yeah, no disputing that. It doesn't look that strong. So I I don't know. What I'm saying is that I don't know if we can see the kime, but maybe we can see lack of <laughs> thereof. Mm, you know, I see lack of kime, just just snappiness. Because some of those champions, I felt like it's very snappy, but where's the kime? Like I was remembering one of them uh, is was it Valdezi was doing unsu, and like. When you do like the the two uh, lower punch and 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 you rotate the hips and you do two, mm-hmm. it was so fast that I had the feeling that it was just snappiness without real kimi. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah. Th- however, there is definitely a widespread opinion that if a technique finishes everything together at the same time in perfect unison that that's the optimal weight transfer, but it's, I'm not entirely sure about that. 
No, not either. Because when you throw a ball, there is like a biomechanical chain, right? It doesn't just end, everything just ends at the same time, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it depends also where you're striking. Mm. If you're striking um, on the head, which is hard, mm. I think then your key may must be shorter. Whereas if you're punching in the uh, solar plexus, for, for instance, mm. then you have to depress it more. Mm. In order more of to, a follow through? Yeah, you have, you have to mm. push more in depth. You know, it's, it's, it's more supple. You have to go. So you cannot, you will not be able, if, if your kime is too short, mm. you, you, you have to push a little bit. So I think you have to adjust it. And it's the same thing. And I, I think that's why you have some, when you're working on, on a makiwara, it, there are some that are more rigid, less rigid. Mm -hmm. It's not always the same. And I think it's not bad or using a, a bag and a makiwara to, to have different targets and be able to adapt. That's a, a huge um, element of training that I think needs to be incorporated more is is some I've, I've mentioned this many times on on this podcast as well but target practice is is vital to know what is your your power output you don't necessarily have to hit like the makiwara a thousand times but even if you did 50 on the right and the left that's that's more have, than enough yeah and you have to and you have to do it the right way and gradually yes like, yes if mm. If the target is 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 too stiff mm. at the beginning, you, uh, and you you start to get afraid of the target because it's too stiff, it's too hard. Mm. Then what what's going to happen? Your body will protect itself. You will, for for instance, disconnect the shoulder to protect, and you will decrease your power. Mm. So I think it's important if you're somebody who's not trained to have a more supple. Makiwara mm. uh, or a lighter bag to be able to transfer, and then gradually you increase. Because if you go if you go too soon on a on something that's too stiff or to a bag that's too heavy, mm. then what you'll 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 tend to disconnect and not transfer, and and you can create I I believe uh, bad habits mm -hmm. uh, by doing that. Do you see? There was a huge transition in in karate when nakayama sensei um took over from funakoshi sensei right i mean funakoshi sensei i think had a little bit more of an okinawan root in his style but i think when nakayama sensei took over he really wanted to have a sports science approach to it in terms of the biomechanical movements. And so I think some of the Okinawan purists would say that's like an oversimplified. Um, it's, it's not like the big picture karate. It's only like a very simplified version of karate, but do you see some of those biomechanical principles in Shotokan style in particular that are very similar to modern sports science? Um, I think there is. Um, I haven't, I, 
I'm not an expert in karate biomechanics. Mm. Um, what I find very interesting, I, I think, you know, if you if we look, the main thing, if we look at the stances, the height of the stances, mm. uh, if you look at the old um, the old documents, the old uh, videos uh, from uh, Funakoshi, and uh, the stances were much higher. That's exactly uh, what actually what I was hoping to come out of that question. Actually, yeah, and and I think the lower stances were made some sense, um, and and they were. I think I heard. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they were introduced uh, uh, for strength strength. Uh, training purposes uh, to increase the strength of the legs, and and mm-hmm. it, and it makes sense, um, and that's the reason why. I mean, when we train, we take a lower stance, and when we fight, we uh, take a, a higher stance a little bit to because otherwise we can't move. It's uh, um, so I think biomechanically uh, having a higher stance uh, makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not as tough on the lower, the, 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 the lumbar spine. Um, having said that, I personally have, uh, uh, lower back pain. My main treatment is karate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I have back pain, I say, okay, I, I, I need, uh, I need to, uh, to train more or, um, yeah. Uh, karate has, uh, the good thing about karate biomechanically, uh, uh, the main thing I saw is, I think is, uh, is core strength. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, and, uh, and that's what lacks in people start to, uh, to do resistance training. They go to the gym and, uh, to get big guns, but afterwards, yeah, but you look, yes, <laughs> <laughs> And you look at their core, and and there's there's not much there. And uh, in karate, um, and 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 also, uh, and again, that's I think another difference between uh, competitive just just for sports karate and traditional mm-hmm. karate, where you do makiwara, and I mean the core is much stronger. Mm. Uh, and and that's so important. It protects your spine. Uh, it makes everything uh, uh, more efficient, and, and in uh, and I think that's an, another key difference. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny you say that because uh, if I would take a an extended period of time off, and I would get back into karate training, and then just do uh, transitioning from hami shoman, but either with hands or without hands. And just obviously do quite a few of them. The next day, my my whole abs are sore, full yeah. of lactic acid and everything. It's it's as if I was doing crunches like like thousands of crunches or whatever. Exactly. And all I did was like agyuke to reverse punch, sotoke to reverse punch. And I find that it's um, yeah, it's interesting how you can it's, hit that. Yeah, and it's funny because you know um, I, I train. Again, I was uh, when I happened to be uh, in in Gaspe, and I decided to go to a a more sports oriented sports oriented mm-hmm. dojo. I, I was I was the the uh, the older 
participant in the dojo. And it was, it became funny because people were, they didn't understand why they could hit me anywhere. Well, not in the face, but anywhere in the trunk. And even they tried. And I mean, and even people very, uh, very muscular and big, they tried, they were trying to hit me. Uh, and I would say, okay, let's, let's do it. But and I don't have big guns, not at all. My my arms are are not big. Um, Chess bra. No. <laughs> bra chess. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people understand that reference. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a Quebec thing, right? Chess yeah. bra, bra chess, dos. Qu'est-ce qu'on fait des jambes? <laughs> yeah, that's a very Quebec one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the, um, and I think it's 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 from decades of uh, of training. I mean, uh, if you hit me strong enough uh, um, in, in the gut or solar plexus, I'll, I'll just move back because because mm. of the blow. But that's about it. Um, and uh, and people didn't understand that. And that's not from doing. Yes, I, I did some crunches, and but it's not from that. I think it's mm. it's more like just. Makiwara mm. and uh, training and, and, and things like that. I, I find that a lot of, because um, well, on YouTube and stuff, there are some Okinawan purists that are thinking that some of the Shotokan is like an oversimplification version, oversimplified version of karate. But, you know, having played baseball for a large part of my life, because I, I was doing karate since I was five, but it was like, I would take years off because I was a I was a baseball player until I was 17. So I only really started karate training until like at 17. And a lot of the training, how to hit the ball, how to swing a bat, how to throw, it's 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 identical biomechanic the way it's taught. Or even if you go to a golf instructor and they're showing you how to swing, like all these components are extremely similar. So that's a very unique um thing about the transition between the hami shomen just just that in itself to me could be the the only thing that's worth being good at really is that transition from hami to shomen and then whatever block you're adding to it it's just increases your shoulder range of motion your relaxation yeah it goes it goes back to the trunk yes and if you if you look at a baseball uh pitcher Mm-hmm. The whole move is, it comes from the whole body. Mm. It's the body that initiate the move. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the arm follows. And then, and then their goal is not to generate as much, to transfer as much power. Their, their goal is more to transfer speed. Mm. So they're like, they're using their, their arm like, like a whip mm. uh, more. But, but again, uh, when we do, and again, that's the other thing. When we do like um, a roundhouse kick, a mawashi on a bag, we always the hip starts before. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed that the hip starts before, and then the leg follows, and there's a whipping movement. Same thing as pitching a ball. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the. I mean the. Biomechanic, 
it, it, biomechanical is yeah yeah because I, I i was fortunate enough to to have good coaching in baseball and uh i didn't go as far as i would have wanted i anyway but 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 a lot of my ideas come from that where for example as a pitcher you raise your knee up and then you're storing all of your weight on your back leg and you got to keep your shoulders in line with the target until the very last minute and then when you transfer your weight then you're rotating the trunk at that like it's a as a very dynamic twisting motion but it's not all my weights on the back leg and I have to release the ball as soon as my foot lands on the ground. It's not simultaneous, right? Yeah. The biomechanical chain doesn't work in that way, right? So you kind of, you're loading on the back leg, that front leg is moving forward. It almost lands, it lands first and then you uncoil the force. So it's not like land and punch at the same time, land and throw at the same time. Right. So that's a huge idea, right? In karate, for example, right? Everybody say land and punch at the same time. That's good for beginners, but when you actually think about it, there is a delay where that foot is kind of there first and then and then the weight transfers. I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense, but yeah, it does. And I I think I, I agree with you that uh trying to to do to land and do the whole to do everything at the same moment is is more for beginners mm-hmm. uh, because the also the opposite you can also play with the opposite you can you can you can do it subsequently like and and like uh, the example you showed uh, unload the spring mm. afterward and it becomes almost like a step like if instead of a you you'd be stepping forward and then doing like like a yakuzuki afterward a little bit with a split second difference mm-hmm. in between. Um, but the opposite is also true. Sometimes you can unload the power, not waiting for the front foot to be on the floor. It's, a di- it's more difficult, but you mm. can still, you can still uh, generate power. Mm. Um, so I think, and I think if you're, if you're in a fight, uh, you can play with that. Mm. And, uh, to trick your opponent. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh yeah. There's different ideas. I, I think it's um, in terms of what I'm looking at things, I guess, from um, a consistency point of view where knowledge is being passed down, like widespread knowledge is being passed down. And I'm just kind of thinking, is that correct? Is that true information? Is that how the technique is supposed to be executed? And I mean, a, another thing that I wish I could see, less is 10 repetitions and then lecture 10 repetitions and then lecture because it when you're doing karate training you first of all you're going to get out of that meditative meditative state if you have too many interruptions right and second of all you may not actually get enough repetitions in throughout your training yeah, that's that's interesting. There are two things. Yeah, we have to be. I think as a uh, 
we have to be careful for a couple of things. Um, if repetitions tend to be, if they're too short, you don't get the training you, you'd like to have. If you don't have enough repetition, if you have too many repetitions, you, you risk two things. People will save their energy because they know that you're doing so many repetitions that, okay, I'm going to save my energy. And then so, yeah, so they don't, they don't reach their full potential mm. or the opposite. They give all, they give all they have at the beginning and then, and then the, the, the technique goes down the drain and, and, and they don't have proper technique mm. for the rest of, of the, of the series. So that, I think, I think we have. Uh, it's hard to find the balance, and at the other, and I don't have, I, I don't have the right answer here. Um, and at the same time, um, it's good not to be fully predictable because sometimes, I mean, mm. the sensei is saying, "Well, okay, we're doing uh, whatever twenty, and then you do, you do, uh, and okay, the last five, uh, give it all you've got." Mm. And then, okay, five more, five more. And then you realize that, oh, I still had some juice. So I, mm. I was still able to do it. And then you push yourself. I think the risk is when you see that the technique, technically that the gesture is, is going down the drain, then, then it's time to stop because that's counterproductive. Yes, exactly. That's the hard, fine yeah. line to do because you want lots of repetitions, but you want lots of good repetitions. Yeah. But how do you get that out of your whoever's training? It's that's like a hard game to play. Yeah, and uh, and John will be different from <laughs> Ben. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because then you're juggling positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, uh, no reinforcement. Because uh, everybody ticks different on a different day. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a very difficult thing to do, actually. In hindsight, is there such is, is there such thing as positive reinforcement in karate? <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, there is. I, I, that looks good. That looks amazing. Good job. Like it's, I mean, I don't know if you do things as a business and you want to retain your membership, like you want them to come back. Right. So you're bound to treat your, your members a certain, like maybe a different way. I don't know. It, that's what's kind of you know for us like we we don't want to compromise the integrity of what we of of what we're teaching like we're trying to teach traditional karate do and and as a result it's going to it's going to be a certain type of environment it's not going to be hey joe how was your day like inside the dojo like it's it's going to be a kind of a zen ideally like a zen like environment we, we you don't want to impose too many cultural elements because we, we are still in Canada, but I mean, to some extent, like that's, I don't know how to do that as a business. I don't know how the people who do yeah. are able to do that. And I'm impressed if they pull it off, to be honest. I think it's, I think it's hard. Um, but I think, well, people fall for the new fad, you know, like, 
and um, and karate used to be popular uh, 40 years ago, whatever. Mm. Uh, and now it's more like everybody wants to do MMA style. Um, and, and there's merit to lots of those techniques like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from Japan anyways. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's interesting. And um, the questions, uh, the, the question we uh, uh, about traditional karate, um, again, I think what people... I mean, it's, I know it's a hard sell because, uh, but I think the cultural aspect um, could be more at the forefront, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I think, personally, I think um, the cultural aspect uh, behind karate is part of karate. Mm. And, um, and to me, it's very uh, uh is very important and you know it's weird because i went to japan only once and uh and then i i went to uh taiwan and uh in the same trip and it's funny because even though i wasn't speaking japanese and i felt somewhat comfortable at almost at home in japan Mm. compared to the other a Asian countries because of mm. karate. Because I had practiced and I was like, the way people behaved in Japan was like, okay, it's like I'm in a dojo. I feel like I know this and this environment, mm -hmm. which I didn't know at all, in fact. But, um, and, and then when I got to uh, China, it was a shock. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, totally different, but uh, so I, I think the I think the cultural aspect is very important, and the long term aspect is very important. But that's a tough sell because everything has to be instantaneous. It's like uh, the movie Karate Kid: in three months you become a champion. <sighs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, uh, you know, there are so many uh, dojos like they have. Uh, half belts and you have to pay the exam a hundred dollars for your half belt and things like that. <laughs> It's ways to make more money. Um, and, uh, well, that's, um, but, but I think, uh, the essence, I, I just coming back to karate as a way of life. Um, for me, karate in my life was very important because it's, it's funny because I was 14 And um, I was attracted to karate, but at the time it was not very popular. Uh, I'm that old. Um, and um, and then my uh, my neighbor, uh, actually my 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 neighbor's dad uh, had started karate, so I was intrigued. And I went and I said I asked him, and and I said, "Oh, you can come and." Uh, 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 You can hitch a ride with me uh, to go to the dojo. And uh, and then I told my dad, I want to uh, enroll in a karate class. And then he told me, are you crazy? This thing is for thugs to fight in the streets. And uh, that was really his vision of karate. Mm -hmm. And uh, and despite that, I decided to go uh, nevertheless. And, um, 
And I started to do karate. I was 14. And I was in high school, and my grades were terrible. Um, I was all over the place. And uh, and then I started. And I started with a my first sensei. He was not technically very good. Um, and, uh, and as a teacher, I mean, we would hit uh, the cement wall. <laughs> and uh, he would, yeah. And um, and he would kick ourselves, and, and I mean, it was rough. But I needed that, mm. and uh, I, I, I mean, most most of the other in in, in the dojo left, but I stayed. Uh, and then uh, the, the year after, uh, we got a better, I got a better, uh, technically better uh, sensei, uh, a bit more humane, apart from his uh, shinai. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, it, it it gave me uh, the discipline I needed uh, to stay to to start to uh, to begin to take my uh, my studies uh, seriously, mm. and um, and then I, I was able to graduate from high school with just the bare minimum uh, mm. to go to Cegep, <laughs> and um, and then once there, uh, I got good grades at the beginning, and then I met three um physicians who were also uh, were also uh shotokan black belts mm. uh and i was really impressed and i was uh, they, they for me they were role models like uh i i saw them in a in a karate clinic where we uh we went for a seminar and they were explaining biomechanical principles of karate and things like that and uh and i was like wow they're doctors medical doctors and black belt and i was probably 16 at the time 17 and uh it was a, a, a it was really an inspiration uh for me um and and i think role models uh real role models uh, uh for youth are, are very important mm -hmm. and um not only just as role models, YouTubers uh, playing uh, Minecraft <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the future, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I think there's a lot of merit to, uh, to study the past and, and techniques that have been uh, developed over probably uh, generations. Yeah. And it's uh, got to keep the flame alive. Yeah. And, uh, and again, if we look at karate, uh, the way it is, and, and I think the thing, um, you were talking about uh, Shotokan after Nakayama, I, I think um, they probably made it more popular like in universities in Japan and um, um and it's been formalized as it is, um, but 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 this thing is is alive, and I I don't think it should. Uh, I I think the basis is very good, uh, but but then after it's your own, like somewhat interpretation, and uh, uh, like I. I go from one dojo to the other, and they, sometimes they say, "Oh, here we do this kata with this." the move we do it exactly like this and okay i'll do it like that for you but it's not necessarily 
wrong as long as there's meaning behind that and as as long as you know the how it should be done mm-hmm. then if you do it slightly different because you feel that it's your interpretation and it's and you have good reasons to do that and i i and i i think i, I don't think it's wrong it's necessarily wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think it should evolve over time gradually but first learn the basics mm-hmm. well i mean the way the way i teach is completely um i i pride myself on being tra- a traditionalist but funny enough i'm fu- like what i do in class is like not at all yeah uh, conventional put it that way you know some of the judo type training and and the roles and the some gymnastic type components as well it's it's not like and even the the karate training it's it, like you said it's it's when you start developing your own independent thoughts and ideas and once you understand the foundation it's it's uh, yeah and i think it's it's good to be open minded like uh, as i said i practiced some uh, aikibudo uh, for a while no, not not a lot though because uh, i wasn't sweating enough um but uh, I incorporated, sometimes I incorporated some of the displacement, the moves um, in, in my karate, like the O80Me and, and moves like that, that sometimes can be confusing to my opponents and in, in karate sparring because I, I can do them. And it really improved, like even just slipping on ice and, and falling. I remember yeah. once. I just I was carrying two bags of groceries with uh, with uh, glass bottles in there, and I slipped on ice. And uh, I wish somebody somebody had a, a had a cell phone to uh, to take a video of that because I slipped. I didn't want to drop the bags, so I hold, I held my bags up in the air, and <laughs> I rolled. I rolled all the way to my neck. Wow. And then I I rolled backward uh, forward and then I got up in the same move. I just <laughs> rolled up and then I continued walking. Well, and I did that. Game. It was just it was just natural. And that and I think you know these things we we look at the elderly falling and breaking their hip and things like that if when you practice karate and things like that on an everyday basis mm. it becomes incorporated in you and mm. uh, i remember once i was uh, i was in a hallway um in the emergency room uh next to the psychiatric ward and uh one of the nurses wanted to uh, uh to, to trick me and she she came from behind me and extended both arms over my head, like to grasp me from from behind, just as a joke. Mm. And I was next to the psychiatric department. In a split second, oh. I turned around. I was in Zenkutsu Dashi with Ageuke. She screamed. <laughs> it was, but it was a reflex. I didn't think. I just saw two hands. I was near near the mm-hmm. psychiatry department and I saw two hands coming over my head and it was just reflex split second. I was no longer there. Aggie okay was there. I was ready. Oh and then gosh. I saw the nurse and she screamed. 
<laughs> so that's the other thing. I mean, you can go in a self-defense course over the weekend, mm. but then if you don't practice it every day, uh, it's useless. It, it, it's it's almost like the the components that you were you were mentioning about your health, uh, about lifestyle medicine, because it's just, you can take like a boost, a nutrition boost for like a day or two. But if it's not something that you're doing on a daily basis, like you, are you really going to benefit from it? Yeah. And, and in terms of nutrition, what you, what you don't take is probably more important than what you take. When you do oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that uh, we've been rolling for more than one hour and a half? No kidding. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just going to wrap it up here. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me.